free. So I was thinking back to just some of the joys of being a, a kid, and I remember one of the things, it's small, but it often made me smile, was the toy that was in the cereal box. Like, I don't know if they even still do that. Like now we buy healthy cereal and they never put toys in there. So I don't know like if the sugary cereals still do that, but I loved finding that toy in the cereal box. Now, I don't know if your family ever had issues as who's getting the toy. Like sometimes people are like, I am just reaching in. It doesn't matter if there's cereal in there and my hand's touching everything. It doesn't matter because I want to get the toy. That might've been your family. Some people are like, you can't do that. You can't get it until you you see it, and so you eat like five bowls of cereal because you're trying to get down to be able to find the toy. There are some families that it's like I'm dumping it out in a big bowl until I find the toy, and then I'll put it back in. You know, our family came up with a way that we were going to like not be reaching in to grab the toy. There were three of us kids, and so we were allowed to have three boxes of cereal open at once. And so maybe mom had bought five or seven. And so each of us essentially had a box. Now, anyone could eat from that box of cereal, but whichever box was yours, you got the toy, all right? So it didn't matter, though, if you found it quickly or it took quite a while because you didn't get to get a new box until your box of cereal was finished. So I remember that was a good way of kind of avoiding things, but looking for that toy that was in the bottom of the cereal. I was thinking about other things that I like that you find at the bottom. I'm not a huge snow cone kind of guy, but I do like the bottom when like most of the ice is done and there's all the syrup. That is my favorite part. You know what? Sometimes when you get those, um, you know, trail mixes, like the good chocolate chips, like go to the bottom and they're all there at the end. Like that's the part that I really, really like. Um, in watching uh, sermons by Kyle Eidelman and in his book, he actually tells of a time that he was eating this mixture of popcorn. Said one of, it's one of his favorites, but it's a mixture of cheesy popcorn and caramel popcorn, but it's all in the same bag. But right on the top, it says that the caramel corn may settle. All right, so it's going to be probably at the bottom of the bag. And so he tells about a time that he was with his extended family and he sat down to watch something and he began to eat, but he didn't eat the cheesy popcorn that he's not a big fan of. Like he found himself reaching all the way to the bottom and grabbing that caramel popcorn. And without even knowing it, he ate almost all of the caramel popcorn, okay? And so anyway, again, I said he didn't know it, so he put it back and all that kind of stuff. The next day, one of his sisters came out when everyone was gathered together and just said, who ate all the caramel popcorn and specifically looked at all the kids, you know, the grandkids, because it's got to be one of them, right? And Kyle all of a sudden realized, I did that. Like without even realizing it, I had continued to reach down and grab the caramel popcorn. And so anyway, Kyle told this to his uh, church congregation and a man came up to him afterwards because he's holding this bag. He said, so you're telling me that the caramel corn is always at the bottom. He said, yeah, it is. He said, have you ever thought about this? And he turns the bag upside down and say, open it from this side. And Kyle's like, my mind was blown. <laughs> I had never thought about that. And you know what? The truth is that sometimes when we're listening to Jesus, the way that he presents something is completely upside down to the way the world sends us a message. Like they're like, this is what's important. And Jesus will say, no, no, no. This is what God the Father truly believes. This is what we should be placing our importance in and how we should view things. And so one of the areas that sometimes is different in how the world views things to God views things is about money, right? The way we view money. 
And some of you might be sitting in here today going, man, we're talking about money again? Like we talked about money the last time I was at church, you know, which was like four years ago, but we're talking about money again, all right? Here's why. Because Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, he talked more about money than heaven or about prayer or about faith because the way we view money and we deal with it is an accurate gauge of where our heart is. Like Jesus himself said that where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And so sometimes, like God understands that you who are following me, one of my chief competitors is money. Because what we ought to be giving to God, we end up placing in money. What I mean by this is, like, we find our source of significance in money instead of God. Like the things that I've been able to, you know, um, save up and the things that I'm able to have, that's where I find my identity. That's where I find my value instead of listening to the words of God and who he says that I am. Or sometimes with money, we can find our security. And so that prayer about God, give me today my daily bread. I don't really pray that so much because I know I've got enough in the bank for today and tomorrow and next week. And so I'm actually finding my security in finances instead of God. Or sometimes we can even place our hope in that instead, going, okay, the things that I'd like to do, the things that hopefully, you know, maybe are in my future, I'm looking more to what can I afford than simply, God, what is it you want for my life? So sometimes it can take the seat of where God is sitting, and money itself is not bad, but who is the one that's sitting there? And if you were to talk about what is most important, the world would tell you, hey, having this money is super important, whereas God would say, let me turn things upside down and show you really what is important. You cannot serve two masters. And so today we're going to look at one small passage. It's found in Luke chapter 21. And so you can turn there if you've got your Bibles or devices. And in this moment, like Jesus is using an opportunity to teach. It's not even he's telling a story, but there are some events that happen that then he uses to be able to display the heart of God and to be able to show this is what is really important. And so in Luke chapter 21, we're just going to start right at the beginning, verses 1 through 4. Here's what we read. It says, As he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Now, what you need to know is back then they didn't have this paper currency, and so all of it was these coins. And then when they're at the temple and they're giving their offerings over, they put it in these brass receptacles, okay? So if you're putting two and two together, when you dropped your coins in, it made a noise, all right? And so the more coins that you dropped in, the louder it would be. Um, and so sometimes people even purposely threw it in a little bit harder. So people would go, wow, that person gave a lot. Maybe they wouldn't put it in bags, so all the coins hit at the same time. You could hear that and people would understand that person gave a lot or that person gave a little and some people made it a show. But the noise that gets heaven's attention is different than that which gets our attention. 
And so you can also imagine people would be standing kind of to the side, maybe waiting their turn or maybe just kind of watching what's going on. And they might even kind of judge people as they're walking up based on what they're wearing. And man, look at those designer sandals. Like I bet you they are about to drop a lot of money, you know, into uh, the basket there. Or maybe look at that silk coat. Like mine is only made of camel hair. Look at that like Gucci purse. I know it hasn't been invented yet, but isn't it amazing? You know, and all this kind of stuff. They're standing back and just judging people as they're walking up to this offering receptacle spot. But here's this woman, this woman that would have been completely overlooked by anyone who was standing there watching. But what she gave, it echoed throughout all of heaven. You know what? Jesus says that she put in more than all the others. She put in more than all the others. And man, that sounds great. Like that can sometimes inspire us. Like she gave more, except the problem is, Well, she didn't. Like, she only gave two coins. She didn't give more. Like, in our world, when we use the word more, it very much is a math term. All right? So 10 will always be more than nine. You know, five is more than one. When I look, I can see you have more cars than I do. You have more clothes than I do. You got more A's on your report card than I did. You know, all those kind of things. Money, you have more money than I do. And so when we're talking about this idea of money and or all this idea of more, more is always more except for when it's not. Except for when it's not. And so here in our events, Jesus is saying, look at this woman who gave these two small copper coins, which is actually more than all these people who gave the literal more. These two small copper coins. Like your Bible may even have a footnote down there that it says these are called lepta or mites. Essentially what she gave was the equivalent of one sixty-fourths of a day's wage. So I looked it up right now in Kansas. The uh, minimum wage is about seven twenty-five. All right. So let's just imagine you have a job that pays you eight dollars an hour, and you work eight hours in a day. So if that's what you do, then you're giving about a dollar. That's what it is. That this woman came and gave approximately a dollar in the offering tray. And the question is, does that even make a difference? I mean, really, does that dollar make a difference? I mean. Is that almost more work for the treasurer to have to count than for just me to be able to put that in? I mean, why not use that dollar and at least get a little bit more food or something like that? Does it even matter? And I guess the question is, do you believe that one dollar at a time really can change the world? Do you believe that you can love someone else simply using one dollar at a time? And when Jesus is talking about more, He's not talking about portions that we give, but he's talking about proportion. Or a long time ago, I remember reading an article that when Jesus asks us to give, it says equal equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. And so you know what? 10% for me is different than 10% for you because of what we make. But Jesus is saying, I want you to give this. And so when we're looking at this idea of more, and this woman gave more, it is not because of the amount itself, but it's about the sacrifice She gave all that she had in that moment. And when you're talking about more, you could definitely say maybe some more trust, maybe some more confidence and faith in God than some of these others. But why would she do that? Like, I get that it's only a dollar or something, but it's something that was really important to her and she wanted to do this. Why would she do that? The answer is because she knows what God can do. 
She's faithfully obeying him and she knows what God can do. And if you were to talk to us today, sometimes why is it that we give? Because we know what Jesus does in lives. Like for some people, like they're just struggling because they don't have any purpose. They're not sure what tomorrow brings and it is a weight upon them. And when you look at Jesus, he comes in and says, I want to give you life. Like real life, not just enough just making it through a day and another and another. I want you to be, ex- be able to experience life to the full. That's what he offers. Or he offers freedom. Like, man, maybe you've been there before when you felt shackled down, when you felt like guilt and shame were weighing upon you to where like, I couldn't even make another decision. Maybe you could talk about how Jesus gives hope in that moment when I didn't even know if I could get out of bed or everything seemed so dark. There was no light at the end of the tunnel, but Jesus came into my life and now I have not felt any of that to the degree that it was before because Jesus has given me hope. Or Jesus comes to to bring peace. Man, just the unsettledness of the world and looking at things that can happen or even in my own life and not sharing what's gonna happen. But when Jesus steps in, he says, let me give you hope. Yes, for the way future, but even for tomorrow and what I have to offer for you. Like we give because we know what Jesus has to offer those who accept it. But if we're being honest, there are going to be some in our country There'll be some in our state. There'll be some in our city. There'll probably be some sitting in this room or watching online that are going to have a very difficult time even making it through this weekend because they don't understand what Jesus offers. And they really are trying to figure it out themselves. They are taking things that they've been taught or things that they see, and they're trying to figure it out, and they continue to hit brick walls. Man, Can one dollar at a time make a difference at all? I would argue yes, because these individuals, they're feeling like failures. They're feeling like I am stuck. They're feeling like I am not lovable. At certain things, these things are in their minds. And one dollar at a time allows the truth of Jesus to be told to them, to be displayed to them through actions. And sometimes we're like, yeah, 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 I get it. Sounds good, but one dollar, like, does that really make a difference again? You know what? Small things begin to add up. For a lot of you, you helped out that day that we did the food packing, and you could stand there and remember, I had a little cup of vitamins. <laughs> like That's what my job was. And yet your job, you continue to put one in after another, after another. And by the end of everyone working together, there were the 196,000 meals. One small thing added together with everyone pitching in makes a big difference. Or you could think about the weather. One small raindrop man, it's kind of neat. You know, maybe it gives you hope of maybe more rain is coming or one snowflake. That's kind of pretty. But man, the damage that can be done when so much rain and flooding then happens or the amount of snow that comes together to either cover things up or cause avalanches and things like that. Like it can be destructive because of the power when everything comes together. Or you could talk about people. Sometimes there's one person wanting to take a stand, but like it seems like no one else is listening to their voice. But man, when a collective group of people begin to stand up and take action, people notice. Or you could even again go back to this idea of, yes, one dollar at a time makes a difference when it adds up. In fact, 
You know, now it's been about a month ago was the, the Super Bowl and the first Super Bowl where two brothers were playing against each other with Jason and Travis Kelsey. And I don't know if you heard this story, but afterwards, after the game, a lot of Chiefs fans were like, we want to like really reach out to Jason because we care about him and, you know, brothers of Travis and all this kind of stuff. And so Jason Kelsey has um, a kind of a charity and he was hoping to hit $100,000 and he was about nine and a half, ten thousand $10,000 when the Super Bowl was done. And so someone from the Chiefs kingdom basically said, hey, let's give $14.90. What that is, is Jason Kelsey's number is 62, and Travis Kelsey's is 87, and so 620 plus 870 is 14.90. Said, let's just start giving this and see what happens. And the number that I saw as of February 17th was that they had raised over $148,000 just by simply giving $14.90 at a moment. And if you want to know, does $1 at a time make a difference? Man, it does when it continues to be added together with other people giving. And I think about what we read in Psalms chapter 24, verse 1. that simply says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And so I think about this idea that God already owns everything. So if it's like, hey, does he need any more? He already has it all. So he doesn't need more in that kind of sense, but he wants us to be able to give and he can take whatever we give and make that so much more. Kyle, in one of his sermons, did talk about that he went down to Kenya to speak one time. And so he was down, and they'd ridden out, you know, two hours to this church or what we would look at and go, man, that really does kind of look like a shack. And so he gets up to, to speak and just kind of looking at the building, looking at all the people. And he said, what an experience, because you're speaking, you know, and then the translator is speaking the things that you're saying, although you're like, is he really saying everything I'm saying? Because like I had a paragraph, and he said three words, and they're trying to get it. But, you know, he's making this, you know, just preaching the gospel. And then he goes and sits down. And so the pastor of that church then gets up and talks to you know, the people who are sitting there and they pass this bucket. And so here's these people who don't have a whole lot and they're putting money into this bucket. And so it comes to the front and Kyle said, hey, will you come to the front? And so he's like, okay, I'm gonna pray over this or something like that. And when he comes up, the pastor, he reaches inside and takes out these few coins and bills and he hands it over to Kyle. And Kyle's standing there and he's like, and I don't want this. Like, we're here to encourage you. You know, like, what a sacrifice this is. Use this for something else. Like, he's thinking, I don't want this, except he knows that it would be an insult if he said, yeah, I'm not going to take this. And so sometimes he's actually been asked this question, hey, what's the most that you were ever paid to go speak somewhere? And when he's asked that question, he'll actually kind of take a little gulp in his throat, just remembering the circumstance. He said, the most that I've ever been paid to speak somewhere it was about $12. It was about $12. Because when we talk about this idea of more and the way that God sees things, more is not defined by the sum, but by the sacrifice. And when you and I, when we choose to give that, it moves the heart of God. If you were to ever go look in 2 Samuel, and if you're like, I don't know where 2 Samuel is, ask some of your kids who are learning the Bible song, and they can tell you exactly where 2 Samuel is. But in 2 Samuel, David is needing to make a, an offering to God, a sacrifice, because he sinned. It's a different time than with um, Bathsheba, but he has made a major mistake, and he's like, I need to offer the sacrifice to God. And so he talks to this individual who owns some land. He says, let me buy this land from you so that I can make a sacrifice to God. And the individual says, well, here, let me just give it to you. And this is what David says in 2 Samuel 24, 24. He said, no, I insist on paying you for it. 
I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. You know what? David even knew that which I give to God, I want it to mean something. Like I want it to be a sacrifice. You know, I'll tell you regarding the church, maybe as you're thinking about this idea of giving, um, you may not know this, but I have no idea what anyone makes here. None of the staff know what anyone gives here. Um, None of the pastors know what anyone gives, you know, to the church here. And I'll tell you, that really excites me because I do not look at anyone based on their offering. Like, I am really grateful that that's not something that I have to do because I don't want to be able to, I don't want to show favoritism in any way. And also, I might be judging by the wrong standard. Because again, how do I know which gift is more? Oh, it may be that person who's able to give $1,000 a week. But what if it's that single mom who is working that uh, minimum wage job that is able to give her $30 a week? And if you're talking sacrifice, then that might be the bigger gift. I don't want to look at anyone any differently. So I'm thankful that that's the way that it is here in our church. But as we're talking about this idea of giving, like it is something that is both corporate, like here in our, in our church, but it's also something individual. And we talk about that with some other things, this idea of helping people find and follow Jesus. It's something we do as a church, but it's also something that you should be doing as an individual. But let me just talk about this church aspect just for a moment. As we're talking about giving, does $1 at a time really make a difference? Man, all these stories aren't ones of mine individually, but sometimes I hear other staff or volunteers tell them. Sometimes I'll be sitting in my office and someone comes in and she's talking with Brandy or he's talking with Brandy and they're in a spot that their electricity is about to be turned off in a few hours. Like sometimes they can barely get the words out because they've tried everything else they can do and they're like, I hate being at this moment of being able to ask someone for help, but this is what it's come to. And then to be able to share with them, we are able to help you, like the weight that is lifted off their shoulders, and you want to know, does $1 really make a difference? They would tell you that it does. Or sometimes I hear of stories of you that are in small groups, or maybe, you know, around Christmas time, you're in a Bible study, and you're like, hey, we want to adopt a family that is in a spot where they can't provide different gifts for, them, for their own family, and so how do we do this? And so you jump up to do that. But I say that it's not even just at Christmas. Sometimes you'll hear of someone that's in your small group, or hey, this person knows a family member, and how do we reach out as the church, as the body of believers, to help this person? And so maybe it's not some huge number, but every little bit helps. One dollar at a time makes a difference. You know what I could talk about our counseling center? And I can't tell you a ton of stories because Rick does a fantastic job of keeping confidentiality that he's supposed to. But every now and then in staff meeting, he'll talk about this marriage. Man, a few months ago was completely on the rocks. Like you see that it's been restored. And again, they're still working through things, but they're like, we don't need to meet together again because We see how this is working and God is helping us through this. Or sometimes he'll come and talk about just some different addictions that at some point just completely had someone, man, grasped. But now all of a sudden, it's not there anymore. And it doesn't mean that I never struggle or anything like that, but I now am in control of this because of the Spirit of God in me. And you want to ask those individuals, does $1 at a time really make a difference? They would tell you yes. 
You know what, we have certain classes or programs that cost some money to get in. And so I think specifically about even Financial Peace University. And sometimes when people are in this spot of trying to deal with their finances, they're like, man, I don't even have enough to pay for what I need to to get into this class. There have been people who have said, let me pay for this. And so you get into this. And what's really exciting is when some of those families go through the class and things have kind of been worked out in their own budgets at home. And so then like a year later, they're like, we want to help someone else because of what God has done through this program and where we're at financially. Does $1 a difference make a time? Yep, it does. You know what? We could talk about college tuition that is sometimes given to Bible college students and just a little bit of that taken off their shoulders. We could talk about missions. Again, maybe you know if you've ever watched our budget that 15% goes to missions. And so you think about uh, the stories. And sometimes we'll have missionaries up here at the beginning and they'll tell you a little bit about individuals that will choose um, Jesus. Or they'll say, here are some physical needs that we were able to meet, which then open the door to the spiritual, which they weren't even aware of. But because we met this physical need, here it was. And so story after story, both here in the States and across the world. But not only that, and if you were to ask the missionaries themselves, is that gift an encouragement? They would just smile, and they would tell you absolutely. Because one dollar at a time, it makes a difference. You know what, they're they're individuals that I'll have conversations with, maybe in my office or maybe over coffee, and they're just talking about, you know what, when I'm at the church building, and again, I get it's just a building, but when I am within these walls and I'm around people, Like, there is a peace that I feel that I do not have anywhere else. Or I'll talk with people about coming from some other churches that maybe there's some pretty big church wounds, and maybe it was because there was legalism, maybe because just things happened to their family, and it was like, ah, this really, really hurt. And now I am here, and the refreshment that I am able to get, whether it's through connection with other people, that I am not alone, or even just the way that the Word of God is preached, and the grace and the truth that comes from the front, from the classrooms, even my kids when they come home and tell me about these things. All around, we get these things. Man, does one dollar make a difference? Absolutely. You know what I've heard from people who say, like when I come on either Saturday night or Sunday morning, it just gives me a place to be able to sing and worship and focus that I can't get anywhere else. Or there's individuals that came here to play basketball or to play soccer or cheerleading. That was their whole purpose in joining the Upward program because of some sport. But then they began to watch how everyone treated each other and how the refs and the coaches and just the parents and all those kind of things are like, I want that. I don't even know what that is. And they then start coming to church because that's what they want. They get to know Jesus. You know, as a student minister for 10 and a half years, I could tell you lots of stories about students. I could tell you some stories where a student was invited by a friend and came to youth group and you could see Jesus get a hold of their heart to then their family ended up coming to church and now they're super active all because of that initial seed that was planted and the student that then got a hold of it. Man, one dollar at a time. I could tell you of students who have then graduated out of the quote program, gone on to college, gone on to life, and they are actively serving in their church wherever that is throughout the country. I could tell you of some of our students who are like in the middle of jobs and they're like, you know what, I know I need to go on this mission trip and not just a week, but maybe multi-month because this is what God is calling me to do. I could tell you of a student who about a month before CIY knew who Jesus was, but you know, was not living it, really hadn't understand it, understood it or grasped it through a party. And at this party, there were gunshots that were there. And one person even died at his party. About a month later at CIY, he's there and just breaks down. 
just understanding the grace of God. And now, like, you see his life change and the things that he has done, and he is continually now investing in students in our church, saying, can I tell you what life really is all about? One dollar. Does one dollar really make a difference? And I would tell you, absolutely And sometimes we think about how do I love someone and we think that it has to be big, but it's all these small things added together. And so even when we're talking about money, I don't go, oh, I got to talk about money. Because what happens is when we choose to give, we open up the influence, the, the opportunities for God to make a difference in people's lives. I don't give because I have to. I give because I want to. And God, you do what only you can do. And so maybe even talking about this, you're like, okay, you know what? I'm able to give right now. God, what is it that maybe you want to challenge me in this area? And for some of you, what that challenge will be is God wants to challenge you to go 1% higher than what you're giving right now. Because even if you're giving it 10%, you're like, I'm pretty comfortable with this. And maybe God wants to encourage you to, to increase that sacrifice a little bit. For some of you, what that might be is, you know what, now that we're passing the trays every week, you'll throw some dollar bills in there. Um, But maybe it's, God, I want to be more intentional about this, about my giving to you and think about it maybe before I come. And so what is it that I'm going to offer to you? You know, some people be like, okay, give 1%. If I'm giving like 4% right now and I'm up to five, like, can I jump up to 10%? Like, can I do that? Well, absolutely you can. Like, God can do whatever he wants with that. But in your heart, God, what is it that you want to do with me that collectively, as we give, man, he makes a difference. Like, when he says this idea that he'll do more than you can imagine, it's not hyperbole. It is actual truth. And so, that's one aspect of this idea of giving $1 at a time. But I also did tell you that it's an individual thing. And God wants us to be generous people, not just within these walls, but as we're living day-to-day life. And so I remember a few years ago hearing from someone that said, you know what, in their budget, they actually created kind of like a generosity fund, and they'll put 20 bucks in their wallet or whatever from every paycheck. And so then when they're out and about, man, if someone needs something, I've got it right here for you. I see a need, I can reach out. It's not even, ah, do I have the money for this? Because I've already planned for it. So we started doing it in our family, and man, I love being able just to have that experience of being generous towards someone. How do I help people, not just within the church building, but just every day of life that I am walking? How can I do that? And so here's a challenge for you. As we're talking about loving people one dollar at a time, over the next two weeks, because that's the rest of this sermon series, over the next two weeks, I would love for you as a family to sit down and talk and come up with an amount, okay? It doesn't have to be a huge amount. It doesn't have to be 50 or $100. It could be one dollar. If you're talking with your kids, you could give each kid $1. Say, over the next two weeks, we're going to intentionally love someone with this money. It's not for us. It's for someone else. And we may not even know who that's going to be. Maybe every morning we're praying about it. But God, how will you use this money to help us love someone else? And then what I want is sometime within these next two weeks, I want you to email us here at info at southrock.cc your story. And you may not know even what happened, but it might be just be, hey, we spent this and we gave it here, or we did this to encourage someone. And there are all sorts of things. I don't want to throw out ideas because I want you to come up with it. But I want you then just to email them. This is what God did through our generosity, not within this building, but us being the church in everyday life. Because God really will use that $1 at a time to make a difference. And so that's my challenge to you. And again, it's not because we have to. 
but it's because we want to look for opportunities to be able to really make a difference in the world. So let me pray. God, as we're talking about money, I'm thankful that you meet all of our needs. And so we can be like the widow that trusts you. And part of our prayer maybe is God help us to trust you even more and that we don't just have to be in control of everything, but we know that you are and we faithfully walk after the ways that you guide us. And so even in this area that we're talking about finances, help us to use them to love other people, one within the church and the way um, that that's going, but then also individually. May our hearts just become more and more generous. Fathers, we're talking about you and the life that you offer. I am thankful for the things that you have done in our lives and will continue to do. And I continue praying, God, for those who haven't made that decision, who haven't gotten to experience those words that we talked about a while ago, God, that they would experience that and see, man, life eternal, how great it is. So God, we pray that our lives are worthy of you this week and we continue to give you praise and honor. It's in your name that we pray, amen.